Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here joining us. If you're a um, guest today, we want to make sure that you know uh, we're happy that you're here. We want you to sign the attendance register and put some form of uh, contact, way to contact you on there. We don't care how you tell us how to contact you. We'll contact you. And make sure that you uh, feel welcome here. We have restrooms in the back. If you like, we'll have a children's sermon where your children can come forward if they like. Um, and we print our sermons. I'd print, I don't I have a manuscript, but I have an outline each Sunday, and it's on the back uh, over there on the left, and you can um, follow along with the sermon if you're hard of uh, hearing or um, it's difficult for you to see. Um, a couple of announcements. Uh, one, we've had a couple of um, air traffic controllers call them events when they let a plane get too close to another plane, uh, and they have to really address it when they have an event. We've had a couple of events with our, um, pro with our scheduling of our building, with things coming a little too close uh, with uh, basketball or uh, scouting or uh, the retreat or any number of things. And so um, I'm about to get real serious about our calendar, our church calendar, to make sure that we um, know where everybody's going to be and what they're doing. If you want to host an event, if you want to have an event, let's not take anything for granted. Let's um, email Beth in our church office, and if you'll put on the subject line, um, uh, meeting, church calendar, something, anything like that to indicate that we're talking about something serious, and then put the thing that you want in the place that you want, and then she will put it in our church calendar. It's now digital so that all of us um, can see it um, from any point, and so uh, really it's just about the human beings following up and doing the thing that we uh, say that we're going to do, so let's make sure we do that. Um, I'm going to call Adam Wycliffe up. He's the first, his event is the first of three things that are going to happen this Saturday. Uh, on our campus. I'm one of the culprits of your air traffic control issue. Sorry about that. So um, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, this coming weekend is going to be a really exciting one for the soup kitchen and the shelter. We have two events happening next weekend. On Saturday, starting at 10 o'clock, will be the Run for the Pies 5K. It's the first event that we've done like this for the soup kitchen and the shelter. Um, how many of you like pies? Not as many as in the 9 o'clock. But um, those of you who raise your hand, you can all sign up on our website, it's grewsoupkitchen.com, for that run for the, the Pies 5K. It should be a great event. It's gonna run around kind of behind our neighborhood around here, and it's a fundraiser for both the soup kitchen and the shelter. On Sunday at two o'clock, we have our annual Merle State Hunger Walk. A lot of you knew Merle State. He was the founder of the soup kitchen, and we honor him and our uh, our goal to help end hunger in the Greer community each year by having the, the Merle State Hunger Walk. That starts at 2 o'clock over here in the parking lot of the FLC. Um, and I do have one more thing about the soup kitchen and the shelter that I'm very happy to announce. Uh, a little over a year ago, we broke ground on SEP, the shelter to empower people. And Memorial was a huge help on that, not with fund, just with fundraising and also with, with people. We have a lot of people on our board from Memorial, as well as uh, people helping us build the shelter and supporting us. And just recently, we have completed fundraising for building the shelter. We are still raising funds for operations, for furniture, but with your help and the help of the Greer community and with God's help, we have finished fundraising for constructing the shelter. So thank you so much for your help. And you know we feel incredibly blessed that we've been able to complete this project so quickly. And uh, we do invite you to drive down Poinsett Street and take a look at the shelter that's still in progress of being constructed, but uh, it's a huge building there. So definitely check that out. And thank you so much for your help. So the run starts at McCleskey Todd. Yeah. The next thing that happens on Saturday will be from 10 to 4 in the FLC, and that is a holiday fair to benefit Greer Relief. There's going to be all kinds of great vendors with all kinds of great things all over the FLC that you uh, want you to come and support uh, their efforts, and it will, again, like I said, benefit Greer Relief from 10 to 4. That's to, what? What? Okay. Um, and then we have a concert. The first of our three concerts that you see on the posters around campus will be this Saturday at 7.30, and that will be here, and it will be 
here, and it will be our own Don Chapke has prepared a great concert for us at 7.30. Make sure you come. Make sure you bring a friend. Um, all of you have commented to me before I arrived, since I've been here, and pretty much any time anybody, he ever comes towards an instrument, uh, how talented he is. And so uh, we want to come and support him at 7.30 on Saturday night. Should I say anything else about that? That sounds good. Perfect. Good news for the week. Uh, we've got a great um, building relationship with our scout program that's in the Rock House, and our good news of the week is another Eagle Scout. Come on up. First off, I would like to thank the church for inviting me here and allowing me to come speak about my Eagle Scout project. My name is Alexander George, and I'm an Eagle Scout with Troop 107. Um, my Eagle Scout project was to build four picnic tables for Roper Mount Science Center, and one of the picnic tables was made handicap accessible. These tables, we built them at the rock house right here behind the church. Um, the purpose of this project was to help provide a meeting place for families, friends, students, anyone who visits, who visits the Science Center. Um, what I learned through this project was a great deal of leadership and cooperation through tough situations. Um, once again, I'd like to thank the church for inviting me here. Thank you, Alexander. The troop continues to ask us for Eagle Scout projects um, to give the kids for the, uh, our campus. So if y'all be thinking about that, and let us know if you have any ideas, and we will share that with them. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
Let's stand as you're able and sing our first hymn, number 147. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. We now invite our children forward for the children's sermon.
morning. Y'all are so quiet. Good morning. Are y'all still sleeping? No? Let me start with the Bible verse this morning. It's from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 43 and 44. It says, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So I brought something with me this morning. Did you see what I put up here when we sat down? What did I bring? A gold bowl. What kind of bowl is this? Do you know what this plate is? That's right, it's the offering plate. And what's inside? Can you see? There's some money in there. So each Sunday morning in both of our services, the ushers bring these offering plates down the aisles and they pass them up and down each and every row. And what do we put in the offering plates? Our money, our gifts to God. So what's in this offering plate this morning? What kind of money do you see? There's some bills. Okay. What's in the bottom? That's right. What are these coins? Yeah, they're pennies. They've gone all the way to the bottom. Who do you think gave the most money? Is it the people who put these coins in, or the people who put the bills in, or the people who put their money in, maybe in the form of a check in an envelope? It's kind of hard to tell. Let me tell you a story. One day, Jesus went to the synagogue. He sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched as people put their money in the treasury. Many of them were very rich, and so they gave very large sums of money. A poor widow came by, that's from the Bible verse that I read you earlier, and she put in two small copper coins, which were worth this. What's this? A penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and told them, This poor widow, she has put in more than all of those who are giving to the treasury. They gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave all that she had. I heard a story about a little boy who came into church one Sunday morning to get out of the cold. So maybe it was cold that morning like it was this morning when we were all getting up and getting ready. He passed by the church as he was trying to sell newspapers. That's how he made money. And that cold morning, he hadn't had one customer, so he hadn't sold one newspaper. So he entered the church, hoping to come in unnoticed and sit maybe in the back for an hour during church to warm up. The preacher that morning gave a powerful sermon about Jesus and how much he loved that little boy, and everyone else in the church that morning. And then at the end of the service, like we do, they collected an offering. So the ushers went from row to row until finally they came to the back row where the little boy was. The little boy stared at the offering plate, and after a long pause, he asked the usher to do something unusual. He asked the usher to place that offering plate on the floor. And then the little boy stepped into the offering plate, first one foot and then his other. He slowly looked up at the usher and he had tears rolling down his cheeks and he said, Mr. I don't have any money. I hadn't sold a single newspaper this morning. But if Jesus did all that the preacher said this morning for me and for everyone else, then I'll gladly give him my life. I don't know if this story about the little boy is true, but I do know what he says is true. God wants us to give him our all. Whether it's our coins that we can put in the offering plate, or whether it's service we can give or love we can show, if we're using our hands, our feet, our hearts, and our voices, or our silver and gold, if we're giving him his all, that's all we can give, and that's exactly what he wants. So remember the pennies that fell into the bottom of the offering plate? Maybe they were the greatest gift. What do you think? Yeah. Will you say our prayer with me this morning? Repeat after me, okay? Dear Father, just like the widow, we desire to give all that we have to you. Because we know all that we have comes from you. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. I like how he gets them amped up to sing, but then calmly sit down. <laughs> sit down now. I love it. Let's pray together. Lord, you know that since there have been human beings, we have struggled with a couple of fundamental issues. With our relationships, with our resources, with our health, with our call to follow you. And as we consider all of those elements in the gospel lesson today, as we pray to you that we may understand your will, as we sing the lyrics that you want us to go and reach your community, help us not to just say them, sing them, and pray them inside this room. Help us, Lord, to fully understand our calling, our purpose, to be the bearers of your message for this time. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3, 1 through 6. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. We store our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in a negative. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves for them. This is the Lord of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Throughout this season, we've had uh, speakers from our church in both worship services share their call uh, to participation in life and generosity uh, in this church. And this morning we've got uh, great leaders at 9 and 11. Good morning. Um, my name is Luke Hannon, as it says in the bulletin. Um, when I was first asked to speak on stewardship, I was kind of taken aback. Um, so I kind of turned to the Bible and came across this verse, and it gave me inspiration for this speech. The verse was 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And it was, as each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, after hearing, reading this verse, I started to think about, well, what can I give Memorial United Methodist? And that led me to think about, well, what has Memorial given me? I was born into the church, and I've been involved in every aspect that a 25-year-old can be, from baptism and CEP to serving on the administrative board. I have many memories of the church that I will cherish for a lifetime, memories that include softball games, ice cream socials, delivering Thanksgiving baskets, um, Methodist men breakfasts and also mission trips. These memories go on and on. All this leads me back to the question of stewardship. What can I do for a church that has given me so much? As a 25-year-old who is about to graduate from pharmacy school and head out into the working world, that's a hard question to answer. I can give of my time. I can give of my service. I can give of my gifts. And I can give of whatever little money I do make right now. Most of all, I would like to thank you, the Congregation of Memorial. Without your stewardship, without your support, and your gifts, my memories would be very different, as would the memories of many others. It is our past, present, and future generosities that have allowed me and many others to experience Memorial. What can I give Memorial Methodist? I can give back what all of those have so freely given and continue to give. It is through our stewardship, both time and money, that we serve God in the many missions that our church serves. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. I'm going to call on your finance chair, Kevin Duncan to come and, oh, I'm sorry, that's not right. I'm going to call Mary Lee, who's the chair of the um, stewardship campaign. Kevin was at 9 o'clock. Mary has led our new consecration program this entire time, this month leading up to it. And if you <coughs> cherish type A, detail-driven, organized, delegating people, 
you will cherish Mary Lee. And if you have to live with me, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Over the last three weeks, we have had members of our church family speak in both services, and they've talked about what our church means to them and what our church has given them. And they've talked about giving back, and that's what I'm going to be talking about, giving back. We don't usually use that word in church, money. We don't like to use that word. Money is personal. It's private. We consider it nobody else's business. And you're right, it's not anybody else's business. This is for you to think about and not for us to talk about with each other. Um, But we don't like to share how much money we make or how much we paid for our house, you know, how much that new car cost. But today, we have to talk about it a little bit. So if I say something that you think, gosh, I can't believe she said that, I am so sorry. That little thing between my brain and my mouth, it sometimes doesn't work. And so I say things, and I don't mean to say them the way they come out, but so I'm going to apologize up front. Um, the Bible talks about sacrifice. We hear all the time about God's sacrifice. He sacrificed his son for us. And during the Lenten season, we talk about our sacrifice. We talk about it a lot. You know, what are you giving up for Lent? We hear that, right? What are you giving up for Lent? And some people go, oh, well, I'm giving up, you know, I'm giving up drinking coffee. And if you don't drink coffee, that's pretty easy. Okay? But if you drink coffee all day, every day, that's a tough one. See, I don't drink coffee, so I could give up coffee easy. You take away my chocolate and my Diet Coke, and we have a problem. Okay? So we talk about it, and sometimes you hear somebody giving up something, and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. How are you doing that? And so maybe you can't give that up, but it might get your brain thinking, okay, so I was going to give up coffee, and I don't really drink coffee, so maybe instead of doing that, I need to give up something a little more than coffee. Okay, so why are we doing that? Why do we give up anything? What is the point of giving up something for Lent? Are we doing it just so we can tell the people in our church that we're doing it? Because I don't think that's the right reason. We're doing it because giving up something, making a sacrifice in God's name, brings us closer to Him. It's not about what we give up. He doesn't care what you give up. It's about making a sacrifice for Him. And when you make that sacrifice for Him, you become closer to Him. That is what He wants. He wants to be so big a part of your life that you can't turn a corner without Him being there. So... During commitment season, we need to talk about sacrifice. This isn't Lenten season, it's commitment season. And we need to talk about and think about what are we going to give back? What are we going to sacrifice for Him? What are we going to give back to Him in His name? Making a commitment to your church is what this season for us is all about. But it's not about our church. It's about you and your relationship to God. Because your church can't do this. They can't strengthen your relationship to God. It's up to you to do it. Okay? And we do it through different things together, but you still have to be the one that actually does it. So, in your bulletin, you received a sheet that looked like this. So if you could get it out, please. And if somebody in each family, or if everybody wants to do it, that's fine. But if at least one person in each family can get a pencil or a pen to write with. We're going to fill this chart in together. Now what Miss Ann did, and we are all grateful for Miss Ann because she's so wonderful. What she did 
we she took all the family units within our church, and we have 262 family units, and they may be a single person or a married couple or whatever. Um, she did not include people who were in nursing home or assisted living, college students, children, just family units that are capable of being here and making a commitment. And she limited it to 20 square miles. So if you live with, you know, outside of 20 miles of Greer, she figures you're probably going somewhere else and you just haven't moved your membership. Okay? But these are the numbers of the family units in our church that are giving these amounts. So if we will start at the bottom. On that first line, put the number 81. There are 81 family units in our church who, as of October of this year, are giving zero dollars to further God's kingdom. The next line, 23 family units are giving one cent to $4.99 a week to the church. The next line, 10 family units are giving $5 to $9.99. 21 family units are giving $10 to $19.99. 29 family units are giving $20 to $29.99. 19 family units are giving $30 to $39.99. 20 family units are giving $40 to $49.99. 29 family units are giving $50 to $74.99. 11 family units are giving $75 to $99.99. 15 family units are giving $100 to $149.99. Three family units are giving $150 to $199.99. And one family unit is giving $200 or more. This is per week. Now, if you'll notice at the bottom of the chart, the steps are smaller. So the first couple of steps are in increments of $5. And as you move up, they get to $10 apart, and then they move to $25 apart, and then they move up to $50 apart. So that is how the chart is organized. So what we would ask you to do this week, and you have to do this per week so that it makes sense and what your numbers will match the chart numbers, um, is figure out what step you're on. Where are you on this chart? Could you possibly move up a step? during this commitment season. If you can't move up a step, which some of us can't, we just can't, could you slide over on your step? Could you move closer to the next step? You can't take that big step to the next one. Could you at least move closer to the next one? Now, when we hear the word sacrifice, we think, oh, this is going to hurt. Okay, But it doesn't have to hurt. It could be something really big that you choose to give up to sacrifice for God's kingdom. But it doesn't have to be. Okay. Like I said, I don't drink coffee, but I know a lot of people do, and I know a lot of people like to go buy those um, controversial red cups of coffee so that you can draw your own Christmas decorations on them. Okay. I went by there the other day just to see how much one of those cups of coffee cost. You can't get a cup in there for less than $2. And when I'm standing there, I'm hearing people order cups and they're going, that'll be, you know, $7.45 for a cup of coffee. And they're doing it every day. So maybe that cup of coffee, you can't give it up. That's, that's your thing. You've got to have it. Well, maybe you're one of those people that's spending, as they announced on the news this week, $53 a week on lunch. That's a lot of money. I looked at my husband. He said, it's not me. <laughs> I thought, $53 a week on lunch, that's crazy. That's $10 a day for lunch. So maybe you can't give up that red cup of coffee, but maybe you could pack your lunch one day a week. Ooh, and here's the big one football games. 
Those tickets are ridiculously expensive. We all know that. We all agree that they are. For some of us, you're going to be there. Maybe your child is playing. Or maybe you, you rank being at that football game right up there with being at the birth of your child. And you wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. And maybe that's that thing you can't give it up. We all have those things. And that's okay. But there's got to be something. Something that you could give up. A cup of coffee. One day a week of lunch, eating out instead of eating, you know, take it with you instead of eating out. Going to a movie. Something. There's got to be something. If you will turn your chart over to the back. And this is in weeks, so it, it's a little different than maybe what your, the way your finances are set up. So you might actually have to break out your calculator because I know I did. So on the left-hand side, you have your weekly income. And then it breaks down into the percentages. And we know what the Bible says. We all know. We all have heard it over and over and over again that we should all be tithing, which is 10%. If you are already giving in that range, we are so blessed to have you in our church. And we thank God for you, and we are so very grateful for you. You have been generous to our church. And we can't thank you enough. If you're not giving in that tithe range, we're not asking you to jump from where you are to a tithe. Most of us can't make that jump. If you could just slide to the left a little bit, work your way to the left. If you do it slowly in steps, instead of trying to make that big jump, if you can make that big jump, hey, we're all for it. But if you can't, or you feel like you can't, or you feel like that would put too much stress on your finances, do it slowly. But you need to be working towards that tithing level, because that's where God wants us all to be. So this week, what I would like for you to think about before next Sunday, which is Consecration Sunday, what I want you to think about is the sacrifices that God made for you, the gifts that God has given to you, and what can you sacrifice for Him? What can you give back for Him? And more importantly, the sacrifice you make, what impact will that have on you, on your church family? on others in the community that we serve through our gifts. This week, please prayerfully consider your commitment that you will be making next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Understand that next Sunday we will only have one service, and it will be at 10 o'clock, and it will be here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock and then we'll have a celebration lunch in the FLC at 11. If you have not um, given us your reservation for that, if you need a card for your reservation for that lunch, if you'll raise your hand and an usher will bring you one, uh, otherwise we'll be in touch with you. Let's give our tithes and other offerings.
information this week. It's uh, Luke 10, 25 to 37. Matthew 10, 25 to 37 wouldn't make any sense for what we're talking about today. It's good, t- it's good scripture, but we're talking about Luke 10, 25 to 37, and that's found on page 612 in your pew Bible, if you like to read along, page 1612 in your pew Bible. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how you read it. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So an expert in the law. We love when we have an expert in the law, don't we? When you need someone who understands real estate law or understands family law or understands uh, criminal law or whatever, you really need that person to know what they're talking about. And I celebrate that. We've only needed a couple, and I've celebrated the fact that they've known what they were talking about. In this particular instance, this expert in the law has a similar um, attitude to some of the people we see in our um, continuing education events, some of our classrooms, some of our churches. The hand is raised, the mouth is ready, and the ears are closed. He's not really interested in hearing anything else Jesus has to say. He just wants to go ahead and prove what he already believes. When he's an expert in the law, number one, he either wants to trip Jesus up, he wants to discredit him, or he wants to make sure that people understand what the truth is, not what Jesus is saying. The second thing he says is, what must I do? Which is a common human concern regarding God. What must I do? Now, there's two difficulties with that. One of them is the human figuring that they have to do something in order to earn the love that God offers. I've got to initiate a relationship with God because I don't know if God knows who I am or I don't know if God uh, uh, approves of what I'm doing or saying. God already loves humankind. It's a response. Not an action that we bridge the gap. We're the ones that say we're earning God's love. It's God that bridges the gap. The second part of it is when you're asking what must I do, I've been in several situations both on the asking side and on the leadership side when somebody says what do I have to do, sometimes they're thinking what's the pinnacle of what I could possibly achieve? And sometimes they're thinking what's the least possible I to do to get through this dumb thing? Right? Which one happens more often when a human being is asking that question? He says, what must I have to do? Jesus generally answers a question with either a parable or a question. He does both in this instance. The first thing he says is, well, what's written in the law? Pretty thick. Small font. Small margins. Lot of law. He says, expert in the law, what's written in the law? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 
But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor exactly? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, and left him half dead. There's all kinds of things packed into that tiny little part. Number one, he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to prove that he had already completed the task, this minimal task, the least possible to do what we need to do in order to be approved by God and gain what? Interest in heaven. Not gain the kingdom of God on this earth and impact all sorts of people. What do I have to do to get a ticket to get in? And what's the least I have to do? He says, love your neighbor. And he says, okay, well, all right, uh, who's my neighbor? Because this guy, uh, I don't want to deal with this guy. This person's okay. I love those people. Can we just do amazing things for those people because I connect with them? We have a great relationship. Can we just do stuff with those people? And in response to that, Jesus tells a story of a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was on his way. You know, he had something to do. You know, when you have something to do and something bad happens. And there's the rule of three. You know, it kept getting worse in this parable. He was attacked. Not only did they attack him, they took all his clothes, they beat him, and left him with nothing. The strange thing is, I've experienced the only the first part of this, in that I've been able to go to Jerusalem twice in my life, once with the bishop and once with a group of um, Buncombe Street members, and our bus broke down on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we were like, seriously? From Jerusalem, Jericho, the bus breaks down. And if you, uh, you know, you're in Galilee, it's plush and it's green. Jerusalem's busy like Atlanta. Um, two minutes on the other side of Jerusalem, straight desert. There's desert and then desert. And then more desert and then the Dead Sea. And so you're thinking, hmm, you know what would be amazing is if someone came and fixed this bus immediately. We've got a level of anxiety when we come here anyway. And they did. But imagine you were on your way to do something amazing or do something annoying or do something important and somebody takes all your stuff. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Two reasons minimum they do that. One is safety. Okay, when I was a child and we were going 80 miles an hour down Interstate 85, if my, if my mom saw a man walking along Interstate 85, she would lock the doors as if he was going to latch onto our car like a superhero, pin the door open, and then harm us in some fashion. We would mock her mercilessly for doing such. But what she would say is it just reminded her. I want to be safe. I don't, I don't know what any of that is. I kind of want to take a look. But I want to keep going. The far more important reason for the priest and the Levite to continue is to be clean. You don't want to associate with this person. Because if you associate with this person, you will be found unclean. If you're unclean, then you can't approach God. If you can't approach God, then what are we doing? See, that, see a lot of that stuff here is about remaining clean. Doing any sorts of numbers of things to remain clean in order to be acceptable in the eyes of God. What do you think Jesus had to say about that? No, no, that, that person's the one I want you reaching out to. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. See that rule of three? It's going back up. You know, we're wrecking your life with three things. I'm building back your life with three things. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now that is extravagant generosity. We hosted 21 people interested in ministry at Memorial this past weekend. It's a task that I've been given by the annual conference the last four years. And um, we put them up in a hotel room. We put the mentors in a hotel room. The conference pays their bill. And do you think I say to the Holiday Inn Express, and whatever else they want, just let us know. We'll just put on the bill and we'll cover it. What do you think I say? You get this? You understand this? It's the room and this. They get a room and nothing else. He says, whatever else he needs, I'll take care of it. 
that's a pretty amazing thing to do. Now, the thing that makes it scandalous, the thing that makes it awful to the hearers is that the hearers would celebrate the priest and the Levite remaining clean and they hate Samaritans. And so for a Samaritan to be the hero of a story reaching out to a person that is unclean, none of that makes any sense. And there's no way a person that says that much strange, that many strange things could be the Savior, could be God, could be the one who's supposed to teach us. There's no way he abandons everything that we've done. But look at the quote of the day from the book, uh, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations, talking about extravagant generosity. This is what he says. Scripture is replete with examples and teachings that focus on possessions, wealth, giving, gifts, generosity, offerings, charity, sacrifice, and sharing with those in need. If we had a pie chart, and I showed you how many texts were about those topics and how many texts were about the topics that we obsess about and people ask me about all the time, it'd be pretty revealing how big that pie chart was in favor of these items and how critical they are to the witness of God. Giving is central to the Jewish and Christian practice because people perceive God as extravagantly generous the giver of every good gift, the source of life and love. People give because they serve a giving God. It's a response. It's not something that you earn, and it's not something that's the minimal effort. It's a response to the extravagant generosity of God. We're going to reach out to people in this community. We're going to do special things. We're going to do special things for our campus, for our children, for our youth, for our adults. We're going to do special things for our people in the community that don't have food, that don't have clothing, that don't have opportunities to step up. We're going to do these things in 2016 because we're all committed to extravagant generosity. In verse 36 it says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? Jesus asked the expert. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your generosity knows no bounds. And we are grateful for that. We don't express it as much as we should. But when we truly think about it, we are grateful for the things that surround us. And we ask that you help us to reply with our love, with our generosity, with our purpose for this church and this community. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 206.
one service next week, 10 a.m., in the sanctuary. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Man!